Are you sure you want to follow me? I know. Scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome, one and all, to another exciting episode of Maine Education Matters, your number one source of information and extremely mediocre analysis of education, legislation, and policy in Maine. My name is Matt. And my name is Julie. So what you just heard is a bit of a callback to our last episode where we talked about what might be a do-do and a don't-do of an introduction kind of a thing. Not saying where I got that from, but uh, if you don't listen to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney, it's a uh, semi-must-listen. I'm um, just kidding, Matt it's, and Courtney, it's a must-listen. Um, and so I just, I workshopped some things. I went out, I did some surveys, and I went out, pressed the flesh, um, metaphorically speaking, of course, because you want to be socially distant, et cetera. And what do you think? I loved it. I loved it. Very good. Now stay you, have tuned. To say it, you have to say it exactly that same way. That's what I was going to say. Stay tuned to see if I have my sticky note for next week. Um, we have a big show today, Julie. We got a lot to cover. Yes, we do. There's yes, been we a do. lot happening. So we're going to do a, a few things today. First thing we're going to do is we're going to go over what happened on February 24th. There was a work session and there was also some public hearings. We're going to review those. Um, we're going to preview the March 3rd public hearing coming up with a few bills there. We're also going to do a quick look at some of the other committees in the main legislature, because sometimes, you know, they sneak in some education bills. They start to sneak some through there. They don't always go through the ed committee. And we're trying to keep track of some of those as well, just to keep, you know, to be, like I said, question mark information. We'll get that out there for them. So Matt, I've been thinking about our introduction too. And oh, really? Yes. And cool. all I keep coming back to is we listen so you don't have to. So we listen to Ooh. the Ed Committee work sessions and we preview all of it so you don't have to. So can you do something with that too? Absolutely. We, we do listen. the dirty work because we want our colleagues to have as much time to do their jobs as possible while also being aware of what's going on. Oh, see, I'm not doing it for any of that. I'm just doing it for the money. Um, Matt? Yeah. We don't make any money. Well, we're in education. Of course we don't. But I, I thought that's why we did this. It's, a, it's like a little side gig. It's a little... You know, a little bit of hustle on the side to make sure that we can make ends meet. No, <laughs> I've I've been I've been like go I've been getting these these checks from, I don't know, uh, what's it a uh, Shea Incorporated for for several months now, just being like and trying to I gotta look at my bank statements. So should I send a W nine to Shea Incorporated and oh, I hope to? <laughs> well, now I'm worried because I've I've invested a lot of Bitcoin in Shea Incorporated <laughs> kind of stuff. You know, I'm I'm just I'm just all. Oh, now I'm all worried. I'm going to get, I'm going to be audited. Well, you, you can continue to do it for the money, but I do it because I love my colleagues and I want them to stay in the know, but um, not have to invest all the time. And I am really becoming so interested in this, even more interested than I anticipated. I'm loving this. It, well, I've, yeah, it, I will say, I agree. It is, it, it is, it is fun to learn about. It's fun to listen to, and especially if you have that kind of, uh, there's that mindset of just wanted, wanting to know what's going on, but also um, I like knowing what might be coming down the road yeah. so I can best prepare for that and instead of having to react to everything. So uh, we listen so you don't have to. Right. See, uh, so speaking Matt of listening. Shea, I'm sorry, Matt no, Shea used to attend. So he used to attend but we have it pretty lucky because we can watch on YouTube. So we watch and listen so you don't have to. Okay. Yes. We watch and listen so you don't have to, nor do you probably want to, to be honest. But we do. But we do. So we do. Let's, let's, let's go back and let's go wind back the clock to the February 24th. 
So on that day, they had both a work session and a testimony. And we previewed uh, the bills of the work session in one of our last episodes. And let's, let's talk a little bit about them. They first went over LD 278, an act to establish a process for the consideration and implementation of changes to mandated instruction or training for students. This was presented by Representative Brennan. And how did the work session go? We talked about the testimony and there were some interesting things about that, but the work session for this was pretty interesting. It was very interesting. Um, as I mentioned in our last podcast, I am so impressed with the work of the data analysts. So can oh. I have a moment to talk about what Hillary did? Yeah, topic? please. So Hillary gave an overview, um, a historical perspective on when the federal government started to show an interest in education from the state perspective. Um, it really wasn't until the 60s and 70s. So she gave a historical walkthrough, which I found fascinating. Um, she then talked about the history of standards-based education in Maine and how it, that really started in the early 1980s with the origin of the system of learning results. Um, she did a really fantastic job and there were definitely some new things that were, that I learned specifically that curriculum bills always get flagged. So I think it causes some hair to raise on our arms because it always seems like it's going down a path of this could potentially be a mandate, but um, it seems to be more of a practice because there is stipulation in law that um, you can't, or the state cannot mandate things that would cost local districts extra money. And I'm not wording that nearly as well as Hillary did, but that was a new learning for me. So, and, so can I just stop yeah, for a second? Ahead. Cause I wanna, I wanna yeah. make sure I understand this. So a bill that were to be presented by a legislator that let's say hypothetically mm -hmm. was about requiring students to learn cursive in the first few years, that act by itself can't pass because it's a violation of law? Yeah. And I think it was your um, area representative Stearns maybe that said, well, is there any way that we can get this information that we are not the, the body that should be hearing these requests? We can mandate standards, mm -hmm. but we cannot mandate curriculum, and I have the language here now, um, curriculum bills typically get flagged as state mandate because requiring that specific ins instruction, so whether they, they were to require cursive or to require um, a certain part of history, that instruction may be considered an expansion or modification of the school's curriculum and hence the language from the provision that talks about the need for additional expenditure prohibits this committee from moving that forward. This, this, was, a, this was one of the most fascinating things that I've heard because as Matt and I and, and you and I have, and all of us have been listening to all these things for many years, we've always been like, why is this coming before here? Right. Why are these things going? This is not the place. And, and, Paul, and Representative Stearns out of Guilford um, if you have a chance, go to the education committee uh, calendar page because you can listen to the work sessions back how they happened. And at around the 1037-ish mark in morning, you can just fast forward to there, he starts going off on about this, talk, not really going off in a, in a bad way, but talking about it and how it's like, this stuff is not the venue for this committee. And in fact, shouldn't we or the DWE or somebody say to the other legislators, hey, here's the law, here's what this is, in a way, stop doing this. Because this is all just causing so much time and consternation effort that we that it's it's a waste of time. So I think we should refer to it as the Rissler Resolve because she her fine <laughs> work finally um, brought that to light. So kudos to her. But I have two things I want to ask you about the conversation. One when she shared that this bill had gone through last year in the 129th legislature, it was pocket vetoed by the governor. Mm -hmm. 
My assumption is that it was pocket vetoed because the pandemic had had struck. That's a fair assumption. Is I that a no fair idea. assumption or you don't know? You don't know on that um, one? I, I, I honestly don't know why it was okay. pocket vetoed. Um, so there's never, And some I, other I, time you can explain to me what pocket veto means, but um, that was just something I wanted to know. And then the other thing that surprised me about Hillary's wonderful explanation, not once did she mention the reauthorization of ESEA. She talked about how um, NCLB in 2001 was not a particularly popular educational item, but she ended with 2009 being the year that the race to the top was introduced. But it seems like it's important to note that there was a reauthorization of the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think No Child Left Behind was actually reauthorization of the Elementary Secondary Education Act. So they just changed- Race, the, race to the top was not though. Terminal. Race to the top was, was a bunch of grants. Um, right. And so, so I think that's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do that, but that is, that is worth, it was worth noting that every however many years, five to 10 years, whatever it is, it gets re-upped. Right. Um, so they had this discussion and they talked all about this stuff and they decided to table this bill. So they're not necessarily, um, well, they tabled it. And one of the reasons why they tabled it unanimously is because they, they like some of the, like the idea of this, this bill, but also they want to really dive more into the process of how it's going to be made up because that seemed to be a real stopping point for how to do this committee. Well, the other thing we've learned in addition to this not being the right venue for introducing ideas for curriculum, we've also learned that this committee cannot make decisions for future legislatures. Right. They can't pass the buck, so to speak. Um, so I so, think- So a bill, a bill that comes to the legislators cannot then just be passed on extended into the next legislative session. It has to be dealt with here, which is one of our concerns we brought up with in the, in the preview episode, which is like, well, are you just gonna be kicking things down the road if, if so, you know? Well, it says, my notes say, one legislature by law may not restrict the actions of a future legislature. So I think the wording they're trying to incorporate is that, yes, this is, you know, they're thinking that this would be an advisory committee, um, but they can't force the 131st legislature to have an advisory committee. It's up right. to them. So they're right. They're working on the wording of that. They're, they're working on the wording of all that. So there's, there's still more to come with this one and we'll, we'll, we'll find out what's going on with it later on, or we'll forget. I don't know. The next one on that work session was LD 138, an act to increase student reading proficiency, uh, which is the original title of that bill, but I know it got changed to more of a resolve to study um, reading proficiency, correct? Yes. And, um, you know, um, that ended up being a divided report. I am a little upset at some of the comments that were made in this conversation. Say more. What do you, what do you mean? So upset that I am contemplating, in addition to having Lady Smythe shout outs, having a Lady Smythe shame on you. But I'm, I'm, oh, I'm working Lady through Smythe that. shaming. Yeah, no, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. Um, so again, Hillary- Smythe, Lady Smythe Smackdown. Smythe Smackdown, there we go, yes. Um, again, Hillary did a fantastic job of setting the stage and really helped me see that instead of focusing on specific benchmarks and you know looking for a percentage of proficiency, which I think just, I just disagree with vehemently. Um, she said that this would help us conduct an analysis. So let's analyze what measures we currently use to assess reading. What are the local established benchmarks that our districts are using? Let's have a conversation about that. 
And what is our achievement data showing us? So where are we seeing pockets of really great progress? How can we learn from each other and really um, celebrate the successes, but also learn from them? So I really like the premise of this. Well, sure, it's a, a, any kind of premise where we can study and learn more about what's going on in terms of curriculum assessment and actual lep, uh, depth of learning and achievement across the state, I think that that's worth exploring. But then I got upset because someone, and I can't remember who, but said, shouldn't you already be doing this? So Leanne Larson is, she presented so well and her articulation on not only what they have done, but also how we're all bare bones, right? We're all, we all wear five different hats in our jobs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in theory, you, you can say, yes, the Department of Education should have an absolute, you know, note of who's doing what and who's reaching successes. But she said, priorities are made for us and we have to listen to, you know, we don't, we don't make all the decisions, hint, hint. Um, so I was a little upset that there were some comments made that didn't recognize all that our DOE has been doing and what they've been dealing with. And I, I just didn't, it was like mama bear came out. I, I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> I was, I'm very protective of the DOE these days. Well, I think I, I, yeah, I have, I have been too. And, um, I think in times like this, you know, we all circle the wagons and want to protect our own. and want to protect those we care about. And when you see people doing, doing good work and trying their absolute hardest and trying to do it with a, with really not only good intentions, but also some decent results in the end, you want to protect that. Um, and I, I see the point that they're coming at, like, why aren't you studying this already? And the answer is so simple, which is uh, we can only do what we're told to do. So you want right. us to do it, tell us. And by the way, you've also told us to do a whole heck of a lot of other things. Right. So if you want us to do this, we'll do it. But we have to then kind of fit that in with the other things that we've been asked to do. We can't just, we, we can't just up and do whatever it is that we want to do whenever we want to do it. Yeah, Leanne said that very well, and you just recaptured that. Um, but it, I'm looking at, so it was a nine to three vote. And I'm wondering if two out of the three who voted against had the stronger person's, um, had that stronger or that more experienced in the education committee person speak to them about this. I, I mean, I wonder, I don't have my notes on me on party lines, but um, when Repre Representative Sampson said, I have a slightly different perspective. We gave the department countless studies last year, but received less than stellar reports. They should already know what their task is. She went on to say how she sees this as a layer of bureaucracy and she will not be supporting this. And <laughs> I I don't mean to laugh. Well, I, I just I I'm, laugh when things get uncomfortable in my life. I just hope that the DOE takes that with a grain of salt because they have done so much in this COVID-19 reality that I would put our work at the state up against any other state and in the country. We have so much to be proud of. And to have a committee of education and cultural affairs have a member disrespect the work that has been done. I'm, I'm just, what is the expression you, you praise in public and some criticize in private? Like if you truly felt like they dropped the ball on something, don't announce that to me on YouTube where it lives forever, but have a conversation. They should be touted. The DOE should be touted for all that they have been doing. Yeah, I, I, I in many ways agree, but I also think that being a public entity, they are also are deserved of being criticized. And 
when when they do wrong and when they do something that you know I disagree with or what you disagree with, then we should you know. And I think that you know, Representative Sampson is 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 um, how can I say this is justified in making the claim of what she thinks. Of course, she is because that's our legislature. Um, However, I also agree with you that it's not necessarily seeing the forest through the trees. And then I went from a potential shout out to Representative Lyman. Um, Sheila Lyman is a former teacher. She's been in the trenches. She has studied the units of study. She has worked with teachers college. She, you know, she speaks my language when it comes to workshop instruction and, and whatnot. So she was touting the hard work that her school that, you know, all that they undertook, the professional learning, the collegiality, the, the data analysis. And I was so sure. thankful to hear that. But what even I think it was Representative Stearns who said, you know, that's great. So this is an opportunity for your district to share with others. What is it that you did so well that someone could learn from and all Maine students could benefit? yet she voted against the act. So I went from shout out to shame on you. Mm. Shout out to a smackdown. So, uh, so this ended up in a divided report, but as you, as you heard, uh, and as you said, it was a, it's a nine to three. So there was a really an overwhelming majority of, um, of what happened in that, in that. So that would be going before the committee, I'm, I'm sorry, going up to the legislative house, to the house or to the, to the house, yeah, to be, discussed and voted on from there. The next one up was LD-127, a resolve to establish a pilot program to provide grants for professional development in computer science instruction. And uh, this one, I was really excited to hear and really excited to talk about, and they tabled it. Yes, um, first explain to me when, this is an emergency preamble, so respect respect to that, but emergency preambles require a two-thirds vote. So is that a two-thirds vote? I don't think it's of this committee. I think it's when it goes up to the next level. Is that correct? I have no idea how that works. Educate me. No? I have no idea how that works. That would require me to actually study this stuff. Well, I try <laughs> to do a thorough job, Matt. And yeah, I don't. I don't. The, I mean, the I, rely big on, I rely on you to carry me to carry my weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big conversation was about the appropriations. Um, previously, yeah. it was two hundred fifty thousand. There was a huge list of potential donors mm-hmm. that were provided, and as much as I respect um, Representative Crockett's idea of matching funds, I think it was. Woodsum, maybe Senator Woodsum, who he said a couple things that I really liked. One is let's make sure this goes to where it is most needed districts that have no um, training or whatsoever when it comes to computer science information. Right. Um, but also, someone spoke up about, you know, we keep saying all of these things are important and that money should be spent towards them, but that means that whatever appropriations we have is uh, dwindling pretty fast. So I believe they're going to research a little bit more of, okay, so you have this list of donors. What's, you know, what can become of this? Yeah. Well, there was also, I mean, this, this reminds me also too of a, of a bill that came up a year or two ago where it said that, you know, the Department of Education will not engage in any kind of contracts with any private organization, et cetera, et cetera, which was a direct uh, attack at things like um, the, some other some organization, Great Schools Partnership, et cetera. It was a direct attack at those that, that have been done in the past, especially with proficiency-based education and learning and the proficiency-based uh, diploma bill. So this to me was, is, was like, well, isn't, where, where's that gonna be coming into play because there's still a very sour taste for the DOE to be doing, to be doing contracting with that. So I, I, I have concerns about this bill now because of the politics that's gonna get involved in terms of the, if, the, if our, our appropriations are not gonna fund it, it's not gonna come out of our, of, our, of our monthly or annual biannual budget. 
that means the monies for this are gonna have to come out of private, private donations, which means that we're gonna have to contract with other folks, which how is that going to play in terms of mm. other things that have happened in, in history? So um, I'm curious to see when this comes back up, when this comes back to see what has been decided, what it's been looked at. The final, and this is gonna resolve something from the podcast. I'm sorry, I don't have any more time for this podcast today. Oh, we're done? Uh, okay, well then, then I will just talk, which was uh, the two bills that had to do with the state share of health insurance, LD84 and LD293. And these were the two bills that had like the exact same language, but just missed the title by an apostrophe and an S, a possessive state. And I believe we had a little wager on the table. I don't know if you know this about me, but I am I am not a good loser. I just want you to know. Um, I am a wonderful loser. I have been a loser for much of my life. So I'm used to losing, which makes which makes this situation all the more all the more interesting and challenging for me to truly understand because what they did is they, we, what we went, went back and we looked at this and you made a little wager that said, uh, and we rolled a D20, I rolled a D20, you rolled a natural 20, I rolled a natural 20 on it so you could decide. And you chose that LD84 would be the one that would go forward. And I said, okay, fine, I'll be 293. And if you won, I'd owe you a sour and some spicy dill pickle chips. And if I won, I wanted a Maserati. Which bill was passed through committee, he said knowingly. Technically, 84 is not off the table. So maybe, maybe I'm still in the game. The door so, so, is open. So you are now hoping for a tie situation? Well, no, because I think I really like how Senator Daughtry advise the group to send one forward, sort of let's keep some skin in the game. Let's keep um, 84 and see what happens with 293. So, right. So if 293 fails, we could just push 84 forward again. But learn from it. Yeah. yeah. But, but I believe the wager was about what's going to be passed through committee um, and passed on this particular work session. And uh, yeah, I won. So... However, right. here, here's what, what where color? it gets, okay. I don't know, but, but, here, but here's where it gets challenging. Because also in part of canon of that wager, by rolling the natural 20, I already declared you had already won. <laughs> so in this case, Julie, we're both winners. Oh, Matt. Okay. I'm happy now, but I will send you a picture of a Maserati if you'd like. Just tell me what color. Yeah, I, I picked a bad car. I didn't want that. I really didn't want it. It was the first one that came to my mind and I, wouldn't, really, I wouldn't want a Maserati. But that one, but 293 passed, ought to pass as amended. And that was the work session. And the amendment is adding the fiscal. They needed more information about exactly how much it would entail. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds right. We move over. What's up? It's just, you know, to hear them talk about teachers who have given their whole lives, you know, and to get to their retirement and just be slapped, just to be, to hit this obstacle. And the committee obviously has a few educators who are in that position, but they really feel for those retirees who are sure. struggling and it just makes me sad. It's a very, it's a very real and challenging and really problematic issue. And I'm glad that something's being done about it. Yes. Finally, it's, it's, it's too long. We move over to the public hearings for that day and um, we, where we previewed those and these were three bills that were, um, we kind of looked at and talked about as being the first bills that were basically COVID related. These were the first, this was, major, this was a COVID day. And we started off with LD 261, a resolve directing the Department of Education to study truancy trends in the state and develop recommendations for increasing student attendance and reducing truancy. Represent, uh, presented by Representative uh, Roberts out of South Berwick. Again, this is a resolve with zero whereas is boo. 
Um, and there was, everyone was for this. Yes, and I couldn't help but think of some of the comments I made as we were anticipating these three bills. And I've sort of titled this section of our conversation as I used to think dot, dot, dot. Now I think dot, dot, dot. What is the name yeah. of that protocol? I use, isn't it I used to think? Uh, I think it's called um, lapse of memory, <laughs> old age. Oh. No, it's called growing. It's called growth mindset. It's called being willing to be vulnerable with your thinking and knowing when to change course when you have more information. I, I think will, it's a I will of my never, I will never understand growth mindset. <laughs> All right. I, well, I could never understand growth mindset. Uh, well, I was pleased to see that one of your former guests, and I say your because I was not a part of the MEM team at this point. But um, Susan Lieberman, executive director of Count Me In, offered some wonderful testimony and guidance Indeed. for the committee. Yep, it was great. So it looks like there that's that's up for work session pretty soon. But seven pieces of testimony, not a whole heck of a lot, uh, mostly because people are like, well, that, that's it's not like a lot in the grand scheme of things. But generally speaking, the, the general testimony you're, we're going to see is from main curriculum leaders, principals association, MSMA, MEA, mm -hmm. um, and then maybe a couple of other specific organizations outside of those. So if we're getting a beyond like 10 to 15 uh, pieces of testimony, I think then that we're gonna be in like a highly controversial bill. Um, so that one is, is, gone, is going off to committee with seven pieces of testimony. The second bill on that public testimony was LD70, an act to allow a parent or guardian of a student who's been affected by COVID-19 to keep the student in the student's current grade level, presented by Representative Fecto of Augusta. This is an act, it is an emergency act, and it also has three whereases. So yay to that. And this, uh, this had uh, several, not a whole ton of testimony, but it definitely had some, and I would say that eight items, and I'd say that, um, the ed orgs said, well, seven really, the ed orgs said, no, don't do this. The, there were a couple of representatives and one from another private organization that said, yes, please do this. And the DOE that was just uh, pretty much neither for nor against and said, here's some information for you to consider about why this might be an idea that could happen, but please don't. Right. You know, it was, it was all it was, it was all very neither for nor against language, but you can kind of see it was like, uh, careful here. I really appreciated the experienced educators who have been in the administrative roles as well and mm -hmm. asked the questions. Um, Representative McRae from Fort Fairfield asked, and he was trying to be so um, polite about it, but he was basically saying, um, you know, there are some people who might take advantage of something like this. You know, have you considered guardrails against that? And I thought that was very um, chivalrous of him. That's the word I'm going to use to refer to Representative McRae. Um, sure. Yeah. I, and I, you know, the, the, the educator and the, the, the researcher in me comes back to, uh, this sounds a lot like retention and it sounds like forced retention or, or what does the science say about retention and its impact and effect on student achievement? Does it have a positive or negative effect? And if you look at Hattie's work, work of John Hattie and his visible learning, all that stuff, retention has a negative impact. So maybe it's not about, we should be thinking about it and not in a way of um, grade level, but about what they can do and where they need to go next right. and supporting the districts and the schools of figuring out how to do, how to answer that question instead of saying, keep them in a grade level because they are very different questions with very different results, right. you know? And so I, I hope that they start hearing that. I really the felt that the legislators, I, I feel that, if a vote were taken yesterday that this would not have gone 
any further. Yeah. Um, I mean, Steve Bailey also chose his words very well. And he said, you know, it's, this is well intended, but it's not necessary. We have practices and policies in place. It's a team approach. The parent is certainly a part of that team. And um, yeah, so. So yeah, one organization said that they believe that the parents have the quote, supreme authority in the dictates of their child's education. Therefore, if a parent believes their child has fallen behind because of a lack of in-house education and or time out of sickness or any other complication due to COVID-19, the parents must, must have the right to decide whether or not to hold the child in the same grade. And I think you and I, as the educators both know, it is not that, not that binary. It is not that easy because there are so many factors that go into that. So I will look forward to hearing, really hearing the committee discussion on this one when they have their work session on it coming up. So the, the final, final one was the one that really made me think, I used to think this, but boy, have my eyes been opened. So tell us about LD325. 325, an act to expand the definition of quote, education disruption to include states of emergency that limit students' access to on-site education for longer than 15 school days. Presented by Representative Millette out of Cape Elizabeth, this is an act, as I said, it is an emergency, and this act has five whereases. So already, we're on a good start, though I will also say this is a long title, and I'm not a fan of that. I believe it has been amended, but I don't think we were privy to it at that However, session. with I think the title itself is either the same length or just about the same length as the added language that's being put into law, which is quote, uh, they're, they're pr proposing quote, uh, a state of emergency declared under title 37B section 742 that limits student access to on-site education for longer than 15 days in total during the time of the declared emergency. That's it. That's the only thing that they're putting in. And I said that fast because no one's going to pay attention to what I say in that anyway. But the point is a very long title for very little language in, in law. But kind of, yeah. But huge impact, huge impact this can have. Um, I have two things I want to, to talk about with this. Okay. Um, one... It says uh, everyone kept talking about how there are three already defined disruptions to education that are in the law, but no one ever stated those. So I'm curious as to what those three already defined disruptions, because there already is a way for this DOE diploma to be issued. There's a process mm -hmm. in place. There's an application. It's not a done deal, but if um something has come up in the lives of our young people and they can't get their fourth english credit but they have everything else but you're I'm, saying this has happened this kind of thing has happened before yes matthew it, it 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 has like schools have endured situations where a kid might have an educational disruption and they have to then figure out how to provide them with effective instruction and education and possibly I can't, I can't imagine that. Everything always happens in the industrialized model in the exact same cookie cutter way everywhere for everybody at the exact same time, right? Right. So yeah. to simplify, this bill is just asking, can we please add COVID-19 yeah. as one of the, as one of four possible reasons? Can we please have a sunset clause for 2025? We're not asking for this to be forever we truly believe this is in the best interest of our students. Here's where another point where I got upset though. If the main DOE who are our experts, who are well-versed in what kids need and, and what teachers are asking and all of that, if Jeanette nope. Kurt comes to me and say that we fully support this, why am I going to refute that? I don't understand why there could be dissension to this. Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand that either. I don't understand why that happens. And 
you know, if you look back at when the whole proficiency-based diploma law came through, the overwhelming testimony for was in favor of keeping it. And, and those were not overwhelming. I, should, I shouldn't say overwhelming, but I should say that those who were in favor of it were the educational professionals and the educational organizations saying, we want to keep this in general. Um, there was a little bit of work from the MEA that said maybe not, but in general, we had teachers of the year coming out. We had all these other folks. This is good thing for education. And it still didn't get listened to because of, well, I'm not going to say why, because I don't really know why, except I, could, I can assume politics. Um, I think that that happened. And, 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 it's so frustrating. I'd hate it when that happens. I can't stand it when that happens, but it, you know, I'm I mean, like, it, is this another, man, is this another one of reminded, those? Yeah. It kind of reminded me of when I was an assistant principal and teachers would be so upset that I didn't lay down the, the gauntlet on a kid for not having a pencil in class or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, this really, I want to say, I wanted to use the words of one of the presenters, um, but I might have my notes mixed up, but it's, it's that equity versus equality. And if this is the carrot that alternative ed programs need to reinvest kids to help them, I think the legislators are just concerned that you know, kids are just going to do nothing. But I see it as, you know, if a kid struggled and then the alternative ed teacher was able to form that relationship and say, okay, we can't go back, but we could go forward. These are the steps I need you. I need you to do this so that we can at least apply for this DOE diploma. It's not that we're saying kids are going to do nothing, but we're providing another pathway so that we don't completely close a door on them for future. Um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but that's my take on it. I, yeah. I mean, that's, I, I got nothing else. I mean, like that's, I don't I really hope this goes forward. It's, it seems, you know, the, the general, the, the testimony, there wasn't a whole lot of testimony for, or I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of testimony against it. it seemed to be pretty much unanimous uh, for people who are for it. So I don't really see this being, being held up, but I do see, but I do, I do think there are some potential in the work session for people to throw some, uh, some roadblocks up. Yeah. So that, that ends February 24th. That was a big day, work session and public hearing. And we now move over to coming up on March the 3rd. We have three, we have four, there are four bills going before the Education Cultural Affairs Committee on March the 3rd. We are only going to talk about three of them because one of them is a cultural affairs. We're and cultural. we're not cultural. No. We don't do culture, right? No. And I have no qualms with that. Not culture. Nope. Mm -mm. So uh, speaking of culture, then let's go to LD 277, an act to discontinue the use of the SAT in Maine schools. It's presented by Representative Brennan, which is, uh, uh, he's again, leading the lead, he's leading the, the, the on our proposed bills mm -hmm. so far. And uh, I think that the title of this bill kind of conflicts with what the bill is trying to do. Because the bill says, the title is, to discontinue the use of the SAT in main schools. But, this, but what it actually is, is the bill prohibits the Commissioner of Education from including the use of the SAT as a method for assessing student performance in the state assessment program. It's not taking the SAT out of schools so that they can do it for things like college admissions. It's not doing that. It's saying, you can't use this for the assessment program in the state assessment. You can't do that. And, and DOE, develop something else. Right. Don't use it in the accountability conversation, right? Right. Right. And so I know that there are a lot of, there's some organizations and a lot of folks out there that are worried that this is going, that this is going to do something like, it's going to take away the SAT. It's not, it's not doing that. It's saying it, you, it can't be used for that. And I, and I have to say, when the state moved to the SAT for its state uh, assessment of achievement, I was very vocal in my opposition to it. 
I've been I've been very vocal about opposition. You vocal? What? A little bit. Really? Uh, yeah, a huh. little bit. That's why I drink a lot of tea. Got to kind of protect. Got to protect the windpipes, the money makers. Okay. Um, and uh, it was never intended for that purpose. And so we're using a hammer when we're using a hammer as a saw, basically. And it doesn't work that way. And we shouldn't be using it that way. So I'm, I'm very excited about this. And I hope this just goes flying straight through. Here's my naivete, though. Is it possible that the intent of having the SAT, why it was chosen as the 11th grade, was to encourage more, to let kids see that, you know what, you do have what it takes to go to college and we're going to take out this barrier of having to take this test. I wonder if the data showed something like that or if it really was just the accountability piece that just really made it ugly for. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I have no problem if the DOE and the legislature want to say, nope, we're going to give a whole bunch of funds to districts to help offset those costs for families mm -hmm. to be able to have access to it. Great. I'm all in favor of that. But don't hold I it against us and slap our hand because of the accountability, because of the, right. Use it in a way it was never meant to be used. Right, right. And if you're going to, if we're going to develop a, an assessment based on our standards, I mean, for so many years, the SAT wasn't even tied to our standards. Right. Right. So it's like, if we're going to be, make an assessment that we're going to do accountability based on our standards, let's have an assessment based on the standards that we actually use. And what they're doing now is a growth mode. So I am super in favor of this. I am predicting that there will be an amended name title change when this is presented on March 3rd. But I'm not. I, I hope that. that would be good. That'd be good because I can see that the, I mean, the title of it is, um, yeah, the title of it says one thing mm -hmm. and the purpose of it says something completely different. Okay, 380, what will that be? Well, uh, 380, we actually have two that are basically kind of the same thing happening right here. Three, LD 380, presented by Senator Pouliot of Kennebec is an act to change the statutory cap on virtual public school, public charter, uh, let me sorry that again, an act to change the statutory cap on virtual public charter school enrollment. Bill changes the maximum total enrollment at all virtual public charter schools from 1,000 students to 2% of the total statewide enrollment for all grade levels served by the virtual public schools. So if populations go up or go down, the percentages could go up or go down instead of hmm. being a fixed number. Interesting. The other bill that's right alongside of that is LD430 presented by Representative Andrews of Paris, an act to provide for school choice and online learning opportunities in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And this bill removes the limits on virtual public charter school enrollment and the number of public charter schools that may operate. It also removes the prohibition on the expansion of virtual public charter schools to serve a grade level not included in the school's charter contract. So we have one bill that says, let's adjust the maximum total enrollment. And we have another one that says, let's just get rid of the whole thing entirely, or the, the limitation entirely, and let it be completely open to anybody and everybody as a result of, of COVID. Hmm. So I, I see there's, 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 a, there's a couple different pathways they can obviously take and there's, are they gonna find, they're gonna rewrite it and make some kind of middle ground in between? Are they gonna do one or the other? I don't know. But two on virtual charter schools as a result of COVID-19. And so those are Wednesday, March 3rd at one o'clock. Is that Wednesday, correct? That is correct. Okay. So that's our preview. Now, before we, before we start wrapping up, there are a few other bills we just wanted to make you all aware of. Because again, as, as, as you know, we listen so you don't have to, right? Um, and we're gonna provide you some information, question mark. There are other committees that sometimes try to slip one past the goalie through the, uh, through the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee five hole, if you would permit me as a, as a, as a fan of hockey. Um, and there are some that are very 
interesting that are going that have been already gone through public hearings. Some have already gone through work sessions. Um, you know, there are some like lead testing in school drinking waters. It's LD 206, a resolve regarding legislative review of portions of chapter 234, lead testing in school drinking water rule, major substantive rule, et cetera. Uh, there's another one regarding lead testing. There's a, a oh, that was actually LD 206. I want to repeat it twice in our spreadsheet. I'll have to amend that. An act to amend the Maine Saving Education Savings Program. Oh, um, this one through the IDEA uh, committee, an act uh, pre presented by Senator Daughtry of Cumberland to save the Maine Education Savings Program, LD19. Um, a few that have gone through health and human services, like I said, the lead drinking water, uh, LD118, an act to address Maine's shortage of behavioral health services for minors. Hmm. That could be a huge one. You know, it's not necessarily directly education related, but it's, it is. I have an idea for that. I'll tell you another time, but okay. Yes, well, it is really, it is absolutely related. Absolutely. Good job on that. And then some labor and housing um, bills that have gone through LD 11, an act to allow career educators to retire without penalty. So another retirement one, we had the state share of retirement. So there's another one up there. And you have LD 275, an act to amend the retirement laws pertaining to certain education te educational technicians. You have uh, that, uh, both of those, uh, that was ought to pass, by the way. You have LD uh, 548 coming up, which is an act regarding penalties for early retirement for certain members of the main public employees retirement system. So you see again, trying to figure out the retirement system. But Julia, there's one I, I did wanna, wanna talk with you about because it kind of brings up something that happened in previous year. And that's LD52. Does it have to do with a needle? No, 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 no needles yet. Okay, okay, no, we're, okay. We're, again, growth mindset, because I said yet. Okay. Uh, again, through the Department of Labor and Housing, isn't that how growth mindset works? You just have to say yet to everything? Not yet. Right, not yet. There you go. Uh, so this was presented by Representative Brennan out of Portland. And this bill, LD52, an act regarding collective bargaining negotiations by public employers of teachers. Now, for those who might remember, there was a bill that came before up last year that had to do with allowing educator educational associations to negotiate district policy. And this went, this was a big one, went back and forth in a lot of different ways that should there be some, that every education policy that gets passed by a school board be up for negotiation in terms of the education committee. That was what the bill basically said last year. It went through both the House and the Senate. It passed both through and was vetoed by the government, by the governor, uh, basically with the statement saying, you didn't actually go through the education committee with this, more or less. So we have this year, LD52, an act regarding collective bargaining negotiations by public employers of teachers, again, presented by Representative Brennan. And the, the summary of this says that current law provides public employers of teachers must meet and consult, but not negotiate with respect to educational policies. This bill provides that educational policies related to preparation and planning time and transfer of teachers are permissive subjects of negotiation if both parties agree. Bill specifies the obligation of public employers of teachers regarding, to meet and cons regarding the meet and consult process and there's some legalese stuff. So anytime there's going to be a policy, this bill is saying there's gonna be a educational policy regarding preparation and planning time, transfer of teachers that as long as both parties agree to negotiate it, it should be negotiated. I need to learn more about this, but I really thought that there were things in place for that already in districts, that you can always open up the contract and renegotiate as long as both parties agreed, no? Well, yeah, but this is not just about the contract though. This is about like, this is about school board policy. This is about- But so... you mentioned prep time, you mentioned contractual things that may be part of policy, but they're part of the contract. Also part of contract. So I think it's, uh, 
I, I, I don't know why this is a thing again. I honestly, I, I, I don't get it. And I hope and I, I'm willing to learn. I want to learn more, but I don't know why this is back up again, because. And this the is the labor committee, Matt. It's gone through labor and housing. Labor. What, what, what gets me with it is the both parties agree. <sighs> so I guess one of my questions is, you know, and I, I was, a, I was a school board member for a few years in the district and I wonder why would a school board agree to that? School board said, no, we don't agree. We have to negotiate this. Then it, it just falters. I, 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 I don't see any teeth to this. You know, I see, okay, it's a great idea. It's a fine idea to be able to negotiate this. Oh, and that's even debatable at times. But it's also like, it, it, only if both parties agree, it, how, how would this even work? I don't know. So where is know. this? Where is this bill at? Has it been heard by labor and housing? It, uh, there, here's the weird thing. There was no public hearing date that's been listed online. Hmm. However, they've had a work session. What? Yep. Hmm. Uh, you can go on. Yeah, I'm looking again right now in live as we are talking. And uh, it's there was... No public hearings or work sessions have been listed for this bill, but on February 18th, 2021, there, this was voted and a divided report. Interesting. And I don't have the, the divided report. I, don't, I didn't listen to the work session on this because um, there was no work session on it. It was just voted on. And I don't know how that works, but apparently it did. So I would say that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in other committees that are happening in education, a lot of stuff with retirement and health, human services, et cetera. But I will say that LD52 kind of brings up something that was big and that slipped past a little while uh, last year, but it's come back up again about uh, being able to have the education associations negotiate with the school boards about district policy. Well, you have piqued my interest. I will go back into the YouTube archives and watch <laughs> 52. And that, that wraps up what we had to talk about from the Education and Cultural Affairs Committee, the February 24th work session and testimony review, the March 3rd public hearing preview, and some stuff happening in other committees regarding education across the legislature, which leaves us with shout outs and maybe a smackdown? Maybe, maybe. Okay. My first Lady Smith shout out goes to executive director of the Maine Curriculum Leaders Association, Courtney Belolin. Although it was not um, really emphasized in the presentation on the 24th, she had presented a one page, um, well, a one pager of links and helpful information around reading measures that could mm -hmm. benefit the ed committee. And I'm sure she put a lot of time and effort into that. And I really hope that they took the time to look, but it looked very professional from my viewpoint. And I just want to um, thank Courtney for her efforts in that and give her a Lady Smythe shout out. My second Lady Smythe shout out goes to Leanne Larson. I know Leanne is the former elementary content specialist for literacy. Um, and I don't know her specific title now, but she was part of, she was invited into the work session to um, answer any questions regarding Representative Brennan's bill on the reading analysis. And they asked her some very good questions and her responses were spot on, so articulate, so um, they were perfect. So definitely a shout out to her. And then I was ready to give Representative Lyman a shout out as she spoke for the first time that I had seen, and I'm sure that's kind of nerve wracking as a, as a new legislator, but she spoke up um, and she touted the work that her district had done regarding literacy practices, but then she voted against the reading analysis. So I'm confused. As you are confused about some things with 52, I am conf confused with Representative Lyman. Um, I'm proud of her for speaking out, but I'm not happy with the divided report. 
there's a there's a I, this reminds me of a video i once saw i think it's a there's it's a final leg of some like marathon cross-country skiers it's like the olympics or some big race and they're just coming to the very end and there's one person who's like way ahead and they're just they're doing everything and they've got it wrapped up in the bag they've got that trophy they've got that gold medal and they just kind of turn their head for a second and then they eat it they just take a big old digger and then two other people just come from and that person wounds up in like third or fourth place because they just got overly confident at the end that to me is what happened with just that shout out right there it's like yep you're on your way you're getting the shout out and nope you just you just uh you beefed it beefed it Smack. in the end you smacked smackdown smite smackdown so uh if you want to follow along with the bills you want to find the links to all those in those the bills and the statutes and follow along with what's happening make sure you go to our uh various social media pages there should be a so uh, spreadsheet uh, directly pinned to our profiles click there take a look at it we're updating it fairly regularly and you can find it on twitter at main ed matters or on facebook at facebook.com slash main education matters and with that julie i think we're done for the day thank you sir hey thank you very much thanks for listening take care y'all